welcome to the News Pace podcast with me, Johnny Vedmore. I'm here with someone special today. I'm always here with someone special. That's what I say every week, but I mean it every week. I try and have special people on, but this is someone I've been meaning to have on for a long time. And we've had discussions about it here and there where we've like, yes, 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 yes. And finally, the stars aligned. And it's really interesting. Everybody's going to find this really interesting. It really makes sense as well that this follows from... um, Al Borealis uh, and then uh, Tony Goslin um, podcast because that's very much about hidden histories but that's very like immediate post-war hidden histories and no uh, my my guest today does cover a hell of a lot about that we're we're entering into a certain period that le- you know leads further along goes further further than 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 uh, that but still is basically it fundamentally in the same area the consequences of the things that uh, tony goslin has uh, looked into is the things that dana looks at and yes i'm with a lady who you can find um as dana duda on uh twitter and rotting jewels on most platforms on youtube uh on instagram on rumble so rotting jewels which i like that um and so thank thank you for being on the newspace podcast and talking to me and the audience about all of what you're looking into because some of it is right up my track um right up my street thank you for coming on dana thank you so much for having me like you said i've absolutely been looking forward to this and i think i think the timing ended up being quite perfect for Mm. The way that my research ended up kind of uh, diverting itself, but this was something that I wanted to cover at some point anyway. So better uh, now than never. I'm a big believer in synchronicity. I believe that events happen and unfold in a way that seem to be uh, aligned and in tune with other events that are going on. And sometimes people could say, oh, that's a plan. And sometimes people could say it's a coincidence, but you have enough of it going on and soon it becomes a, a, a road that you step yes. doesn't it yeah. yes and, and you've been stepping along a road that is you've been stepping along it in a much different way but it's very similar to a road that i started down i think we're going to discover this because uh, watching um some of your videos i get this uh sense that you where i diverted off into another direction you've actually walked a path that i was continuing to walk at a certain time and i find it very interesting um you cover more than just um one or two topics i mean you you do as well something which i love which is kind of what i call like you know the data diving like the news hound style of getting just into the information opening up the documents and letting people see the documents for themselves that's something that i truly love so you're doing some really good work out there obviously and people i i think what what people uh appreciate now is that these sort of things can come in a uh, bite-size format as well because you do do relatively small i mean you're you've got um a few youtube videos up a couple i think only like 13 or something but on on instagram you've got many more because i mean that's a platform that that lends to that style um of a video how long have you been doing the videos what what made you start doing it i've only been doing it since january 
So isn't that crazy? Yeah, that is that is mad because what you're doing is uh, high quality uh, investigation you. work. Well, it's it or, or to learn to do to, before you uh, like write everything down in in my way before you write everything down, you just got to collect all of the information and you've got to go through it bit by bit. And what you're doing is going through it bit by bit. That's the bit that that helps other people then. Uh, make bigger journals or use that evidence but also allows you to eventually continually make a bigger journal i think that's what you're doing because you cover uh certain topics in multi multiple videos and that will always add up to be you've got a, a, a range on one subject or multiple subjects so yeah how long have you been uh so you've been doing it since january but uh, you know what sparked it so I did a couple crisis jobs during COVID. I'm an ICU nurse um, and that really burned me out. And so, you know, I just took a part-time job and I started reading a lot. And uh, that book, The Brothers by Stephen Kinzer about John Foster and Alan Dulles, it's like their life biographies. So I read that and I thought, you know, I had a pretty good grasp on history because my dad's from Germany. So he's kind of reinforced proper German history in my head. But once I read that book, I said, oh, well, I have to tell everyone about these things, <laughs> but I have to like, you know, source all of this to make sure that it's true. And it was a real moment of cognitive dissonance. Like, oh, we don't go spreading democracy all over the world like they love to say. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, I read Devil's Chessboard and then oh, yes. the Franklin scandal. And that was my uh, that was the one that kind of took the wind out of my sails, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and then I started the videos in January and I wasn't planning on covering Franklin at like for a while. Um, I wanted to cover all the coups under Alan Dulles while he was in the CIA, but then the United Nations came out with their statement for the advocation for pedophilia. And I said, okay, well, I guess we're going to do Franklin now because it's time to yeah. talk about it. Time to get out the shotgun, everybody. I think, uh, the wolves are at the door. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, once I started that, because I like to supplement things, especially on Instagram, because it is such a visual platform, you know, I went and hunted down old news clips and stuff just just to try to give people some context. That way they could see it. Um, but that was when everything kind of took off. And then people started asking me to come on and talk about it because then I talked about uh, Dave McGowan's writings about the other abuse cases and the quote unquote satanic panic. Um, and then here I am now. Yeah, here you are now. And I'm glad you're here. Um, satanic panic is something that really intrigues me. And of course, it, it does for multiple reasons. Number one, I was a horror movie fan. Um, sure, um, me too. Yeah, yeah. I well, my when when I was I don't tell I don't tell the uh, this 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 much out there. I don't think. But when I was uh, very young, we got a VHS player for the first time. Um, I used to go around my uh, Nana Grampy's house. They had a top loading VHS, and every time I used to make them put on the Michael Jack uh, Jackson thriller video, and I'd hide behind <laughs> a sofa. I just hide behind a sofa the entire time, just like look up every now and again. Oh my god! Oh my god! I couldn't handle it. It was just too scary. But the first um. 
the first videos we ever rented out as a family. We went down to the video shop, my mum, my dad, and my two older sisters, and we rented out Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and Critters. And we sat down. Classics. I can't remember how old I was. I mean, Yeah, I must have been about seven or eight or something. And it was horrible. I mean, it's right at the start of Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy Krueger comes out of the girl's stomach. Or is that at the yep. end? I can't remember. Well, anyway, it's pretty, pretty heavy for a kid, but I was just so into horror movies. So, you know, I, I loved all of this dark, horrible stuff. But, uh, you know, wh when you're growing up, you realize that other people get like a different idea of it don't they um and oh so so i i want to i i wanted to jump on then and i need to, to i need to slow down because there was someone i wanted to talk about because we'll talk about someone called james randy later as well i'm sure um i'd like to anyway um so so franklin scandal can you explain to people who don't understand what the franklin scandal is what it is sure um i'll try to keep it brief because obviously it's a loaded topic but if you Google the Franklin scandal today, Wikipedia will tell you that it has been fact-checked and that it is false, uh, which is just completely atrocious, despite the author Nick Bryant uh, reaching out to them politely many times. Um, but it's neither here nor there. This is just how much these people want to cover up their crimes. So the Franklin scandal as a whole was a interstate pedophile network that went from coast to coast in the United States. There was Craig Spence, who was working out of Washington, D.C. Uh, I would say kind of the prequel to Epstein as far as a high-level system uh, with cameras and audio for blackmail within his home. And then there was Mr. Lawrence King, who was the rising star of the GOP, uh, and he was out of Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska, the only reason that really ultimately they got quote unquote busted was because as always, lots of money was getting moved around and lots of stuff mm -hmm. was being bought and it sent up red flags. Yeah, there and, was a, there, there was some sort of thing with a car as well, like a car getting pulled over with two guys in it. Is, is this a story from the Franklin scandal with a load of kids in it, a dirty unwashed kids? That anyway. was the finders. That was the finders. Ah, right. Call. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. This is it's why a, I, it's it's a lot. You're to the get expert mixed on up. the Franklin scandal. Yeah. 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 Go on. Go on. Go on. Um. Well, it's I mean Nick Bryant's work, but I mean I've read the book a couple of times just because uh, I kind of use it as my Rosetta Stone because it was the first one. Um, and he did such a good job. But, uh, Lawrence King, he was working out of the Franklin Credit and Savings Credit Union in Omaha. And I think he ended up getting charged. It was roughly $39 million. And when they came in to investigate, social services said, hey, um, the cops won't listen here. We need to let you know that he is a pedophile and he's also a pimp. And that was where everything took off. Uh, he has not been charged to this day. I have verified didn't, that he is. Didn't he set up a chicken shop? Did he set up a? Uh, I think he set up some sort of fried chicken place eventually, didn't he? I heard something <laughs> along these lines. He's working with children right now in a gifted kids Seriously, program in Washington D.C. What is wrong with these people? What I've is reached wrong? out to them and they've ignored me. 
How, so how do you think you um okay i because I, I that that that's a point that i want to talk about of course at some point is that the fact that i i i've come to the same place as you on multiple occasions where i've reached a point where a case that was from history has worked its way forward and i'm now sitting in a place where i have to contact the police about something that's happening now and they don't listen at all i mean completely uh blank you um and so so how do you how do you get around something like that what can you do or what do you think we can do collectively to um pressurize police to do something about people like lawrence king larry king here's the issue with lawrence king in my opinion um as far as in the context of why he's so protected is because at that time when that was going on you know, social services noted that the police wouldn't help. Why? Because the police were involved. This also involved Boys Town, which was the sort of orphanage uh, in the area, which still operates to this day as well and has had countless scandals since then. Um, but I mean, these police were trafficking these kids as well. And there were allegations of satanic ritual abuse. And People love to just kind of chalk it up to this, you know, hysteria. But when you listen to Nick Bryant read off the testimony of some of these kids, and obviously these are like fake names, right? Like because some of them are underage and some of them are under psychiatric care. So it's to protect their privacy. But these kids state, I know that I was drugged. They told me that they were going to give me something that was going to make me sleepy. And then they talk about all this really insane satanic stuff. And it's like, even if they were drugged, kids are going to tell you what they saw. And all of these kids recall, and I'm saying kids very loosely, okay? This goes up to the legal age of kids, you know, up to 17. Mm -hmm. It's all consistent. It's all the same. It's all very dark. But that's why all of this was able to flow because Craig Spence and Lawrence King were working together. They were moving kids from D.C. all the way to the other coast, back and forth. There's some very bizarre Iran-Contra connections in all of this mm. as well. So this was this was a heavy hitter. And honestly, I think that that is why he, he can go and he can work in a gifted kids opera program in Washington, D.C. And on this company's website, they, li they literally just uh, sort of whitewash where he's from. And I'm like, no, 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 because I recognize that face. And I want to make it very clear. I dug through the obituaries throughout the country to make sure that it was not the same Lawrence King. I wanted to make sure that I was not falsely accusing somebody, right? Mm -hmm. It's him. It's him. And I reached out and I said, why are you guys being so vague in his biography about where he comes from and what kind of business he ran? Because for some reason, uh, Nebraska is hailed as the heartland. I don't know why. I've never been there. And in his biography, it says Lawrence King hails from the heartland. And I'm like, well, that's kind of curious. So maybe I'll dig further. And they don't give anything specific about him. It's him because he sang at a, uh, I think it was a Bush inauguration because Bush was his very good friend. And mm. Larry King has some pipes on him. He's a fantastic opera singer. Mm. So it makes sense to me. But the fact that they won't even acknowledge me, you know, 
Yeah. So how do we sort that out? Because I'd say something about um, what I do with the newspaper podcast is we have this conversation, but then unlike most podcast people, I want to be like, okay, how can I, how can I help in this? Because I hate like for, for when I, I was trying to um, get a, a pedophile out of a school, I didn't, I, I contacted the police crime commissioner or whatever their name is police commissioner i contacted the police themselves i contacted uh the fbi i contacted the school um i contacted the school board and no one did anything i contacted the parents teachers association and they did stuff because i contacted four or five random parents and suddenly they had the teachers had the parents railing at them through through the school so there's always a way to find someone who's going to cause an issue and make a problem and so so what we got to do is work out how to do that i i think uh, or at least that's that's my 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 want i want to do something really like um i want to try and find ways to systemize responses to finding such information as someone who is a pedophile is on the board uh that represents children i want to try and find a system to get that stopped very quickly um and then maybe a a a way to uh look through um organizations and actually check uh, for ch- in children's organizations because it's happening quite a lot i think it was claire hazel in the epstein case was also um on the board of a children's charity and when i've been doing the pottinger pieces recently i came across uh, one of pottinger's good friends who's also friends with george hw uh, bush back then a guy called warren l dennis was outside counsel for the national center for Mrs. and exploited children and during that someone sent me i was i, I was doing research on hunter biden and his involvement with Bowie Schiller Flexner, who represents some of the victims. And of course, he picked up an award from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children on behalf of his dead brother. Oh, I know. And that's crazy. Yeah, that's that's just like, I mean, these people are also, how do we stop this happening? How can we, I mean, that's just crazy that these people are still allowed that sort of, what is essentially access and, um, uh, protection i suppose it's like a blanket do you think that's what it is do you think it's protection well i think it's an element of protection absolutely because i mean i'm sure that larry could sing on numerous people because not everyone's dead right but the other thing is is that he was never charged they only charged him with financial crimes you know who they did charge they charged the victims and threw them in jail Alicia Owen was in prison in solitary confinement for two years because she wouldn't recant and because she wouldn't change her story. So that's how all of that worked out. Um, I think if more people understood, because like you said, so looking back at these old cases and things that got dismissed or kind of swept under the rug, I'm also trying to make the argument over here that if we could figure out all of these and kind of blow the lid off of it we could get to where it's going on right now we could trace that line of corruption okay i like this because what what this is something that i'm 
dealing with now is that I'm trying to, I go into a, a case and I try and find the place where the string attaches on both ends and then follow it and see which ways they go. Um, and that it, it, this is how I was led to Pottinger. If someone is guilty uh, at a time and going forward and just previously, then, well, as it says, if you follow all the way back, you'll find a long list of things they're guilty for, but then you'll find things that they didn't, didn't look like was, was dodgy at the time events that they were involved in that you on closer examination you realize oh this was actually something dirty happening in the distance that's why they had their best men on it it uncovers completely new stuff uh that sort of thinking um of how to 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 find someone who's dirty so like i i mean this is for me this is really interesting because i'm british yeah so my experience of of going into doing what uh starting off to do what you do i i do it in a different way but looking at type of subjects you do i was doing it in britain so even now i'm not sure you know I, like i say i, I can ne never remember all of all the american things that have happened but i have a sure. basic knowledge of it and i have a basic understanding some subjects more epstein case etc but i see these uh events um uh, and patterns um exist over in cases like kendall house in the uk that i studied where it was a care home where they were basically shipping girls in and out and it was all for government uh people in government to have sex with children and people of influence to have sex with children and of course back then they were recording most of the things they were doing and now they're still doing that so so you're doing a really important job so let's go back to the franklin scandal um so is that the basic route there was why who was charged in it was anybody charged just to the victims franklin got uh i'm sorry lawrence king got charged with uh some i don't remember the details of the financial crimes uh he was let out early but otherwise he was not charged with anything in regards to crimes against children uh rusty nelson who was his photographer uh he is still a registered sex offender to this day i did verify that at least um, so he is still registered in the state of Nebraska as a sex offender. And I do, you know, show that in my Franklin series on Instagram. That way people can see it. It is public record. So, you know, it, it is what it is. I think that people have a right to know. Um, and the victims, you know, Nick Bryant has them on his podcast from time to time. Um, but otherwise, mm. I mean, it was just a massive cover up. But yeah, there's just there's too many ties. There's too many ties to where the satanic panic kind of picked up in California with McMartin, um, Aquino. There's, you know, Aquino was technically named uh, by two by two people in Franklin. What dates? What dates do you see? Like, or what? What rough period do have you gone back to in the satanic panic on the American side? As far as when. So here's my opinion, and this is just my opinion, because this is the argument that I'm trying to lay out. So hopefully I can explain this well, because I haven't laid the argument out yet, but it is my strong suspicion. But you're 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 speaking like a journalist, <laughs> and I like that. Oh, so keep, thank you. Um, so I think that the late 80s, very early 90s, there were these rumblings. And in my opinion because I've read through some 
government testimony regarding human experimentation on children specifically. And there are old government documentations that state if X, Y, or Z chemical works well, it should be effective for about 20 years. Okay. So I'm going from where that first was noted in the 60s, very early 60s, all the Mm. way to the 70s. Perfect. If it starts to wear off and these things are coming back and we have this rise of these satanic groups and individuals like Michael Aquino, and then these cases start popping up, I'm looking at that time frame. So late 80s, very early 90s, because all I mean, honestly, all the satanic panic was, in my opinion, um, this whole idea that it wasn't real. It was just like a massive PR campaign. That's all. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I would, so I've covered a guy called Hod Dibbin, Horace Dibbin. Um, he's one of the, I think he's one of the most important, uh, guys in history for the seeding of satanic panic narrative. Um, he wrote a selection of articles is I've looked through the, um, newspaper archives, um, and I've tried to to understand the satanic. I looked at all of the stories about Satanism and stuff that existed in British newspapers and some American newspapers um, as far back as I go. And it seems to be there's sometime in the mid fifties, late fifties. There's some talk, just a slight talk, and it's like it whips up a little bit of a frenzy in people and people get into a little bit of a, a a tiz we would say in Britain they get into a tiz they get a little bit dizzy and and they get all excited about it it's all very exciting um and I think that got clocked by the intelligence agencies who were forming during that period so in I think it's in 1961 that um Horace Dibbin writes uh, as a weekly a four-part weekly series in the Daily Mirror newspaper in the UK. Daily Mirror that would later be owned by Robert Maxwell um, and others. And is very like, I mean, it's intelligence-linked, uh, setting down a narrative paper. It's amazing. Some of the some of the stories in history, it's like the government telling you what to think directly to you once you know that the government at the time were telling you what to think. So you at the time you would have been unaware of it. But he wrote these articles. Um Oh, I, I've done full read-throughs of them. Uh, one's called um, something like "I Met Satan." I'm going to have to go in and and properly check what what these um, what the titles are for these pieces because um, they are quite fantastic. Here we go. I got them. That's right here. that timing um, is amazing. I just yeah, want to note. Know. I know because, because that is when we have the first record officially where they're talking about. ESP experiments mm-hmm. with kids. Yeah. Okay. So I think that I think that that is they correlate. Uh, Horace Dibbin is basically in between a gangster and intelligence asset. He's like he was used to be um, a f- uh, wing commander or whatever you call it during World War Two. Um, he was a tough boy. He claims that while he was in the Orkney Isles, he um, and he was serving on the in the Orkney Isles um, doing air raids in and uh, protecting Britain 
you could say up in the air um he joined a satanic cult um and the first article he wrote is called uh uh, slave of satan the second was called my death warrant the third was called, called i flee from the vengeance of satan's brotherhood and the fourth is called i cursed this man and he fell dead and horace dibbin if you um for people who don't know who he is he's one of my favorite people in history there's no one who's more interesting than horace dibbin an antiques dealer who was plymouth brethren once upon a time and as i told you he was some sort of yeah flight commander yeah plymouth brethren really like strict family as well and he um became a very famous antiques dealer but also used to do renovations of house for the rich and famous and through the 50s he um got his first pygmalion girl in actual fact he had he had he he claims that he had um recruited her when she was uh I think he claims originally 12 years old, but it, it, it records and she says she was 16 when he was looking for the Pygmalion girl who was going to come and he was going to make her into a perfect woman. And he liked kinky sex and selling this woman off um, to have sex with uh, elites. And her name was Patsy Morgan Dibbin. Eventually she took his last name when they married, when she was, when, when she took it, he, when he took her under his wing and basically was pimping all over the place. And he eventually, she eventually uh, put her in charge of Esmeralda's Barn, a famous nightclub used by spies for dead letter drops and a famous place for the royals and the rich in society in London, in high class area of London. So it's really like interesting period and, and how, how Hod Dibbin was like heading up these sort of nightclubs during that period but um afterwards he uh patsy morgan dibbing goes disappearing and there's rumors of her across in europe there's no real evidence it's just all hearsay and she just goes vanishing uh, another one of the many girls to go vanishing um in hot dibbing's life and the next person who took the place and his next pygmalion girl was mariella novotny who was caught in the bedchambers of jfk while she's married to hot dibbing just in 1960 uh, uh 19 just as jfk's one year election but before the inaugura inaugurations happened to inaugurate oh God, i can't say that word okay shh, don't tell anybody i can't say that word <laughs> just before he became president of the united <laughs> states of america just in between then he got caught um in uh she got caught in bed with jfk and had to be smuggled out secretly by the cia and fbi but it didn't work very well because all the press were waiting for him when they got to the the shores of britain and they were click 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 and it was a big story of course and she was friends with uh christine keeler and everybody like that that ended up with a perfumer affair with the downfall of the british government uh which was another honey trap operation of the initial mm -hmm. tom corbley who was that i mentioned earlier who's in between washington and london all of the time is mixing in all of these circles too and this is all intelligence stuff this is all um stephen ward ends up dying in custody and becoming like the the patsy for the whole the whole criminal enterprise but when he when mariella novotny gets smuggled out uh 
obviously they're thinking how do we get out of like all of the news being about Marielle Novotny being smuggled out of America and Hod Dibbin writes these articles which seed in satanic panic narrative and they're about how he sold his soul to Satan and then the brotherhood was chasing it's kind of cartoonish you know it's like I, I do when I do the read through I do all the voices and some of the stuff is like we all get you in the end Dibbin <laughs> they, they very much sound he makes them sound like that they're right. very cartoonish in the way that so that it's not like a proper idea of what satanism is or anything it's like a uh, but at the same time they were the ones hosting the man in the mask parties where all the elites were attending the, the man in the mask ones that, that were just like where, where they were all in the naked in the aprons and it's like uh, i mean kubrick and others based yes. movie based, based yes. scenes on this this exact person hot dibbins parties that's hot dibbins you walk through there's people having sex mariella novotny's doing sex shows in front of everybody and there's peacocks walking through the house you know th this is like the height of sexual compromise operation at the same time the exact same person is the, one of the first people to be publicly seen in satanic panic narrative into the um wider uh wider public but that would evolve i think and so when you're talking about when this is happening what he does is he lays down something that gets catchy and then there's many more articles afterwards in the future about satanism and the risk of satanic stuff taking over the world and stuff but it really does spark something special and i'm not saying that hod dibbin um was a satanist hod dibbin used satanism as a cover for intelligence operations but satanism was spicy and attracts people and soon i think people got serious with satanism you know they went from being these parties with the man in the mask where they they it's all it's all um keech you know keech. right it's all it's all tongue-in-cheek everybody's walking around going he <laughs> we know who Very each posh. other are yeah but we're all upper class etc well 10 20 years on from there people are trying to repeat the same thing say the, the the stories of the man in the mass parties have been outed in all of the press in the uk through the late 70s mariella novotny eventually in 18 i think it's about 81 eventually gets found dead she drowned in jelly i remember that i remember reading that, your series on uh, that yeah unbelievable well that that whole period seems to be like um the, that's when the people who wanted to believe um in this sort of underground satanic movement had had enough fire put in their bellies to have created a proper satanic movement that was kind of from the 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 days of alistair crowley because it obviously been a dip and it all became tongue-in-cheek so i think what you're doing is studying um like a same the same road the same road with all of these splatters of information and things that happen all over them. And I'm like in a different place in the world, but the same things are basically happening. It's just a testing things out and it's a test bed for seeing how people react to this sort of stuff. Um, so, so when you said, you said, now tell us about this and um, uh, when, when you said ESP, um, is it experimentation i take it they're talking about yes. and this is and this is uh is this mk ultra um yes. stuff? one and of its this... many sub projects yeah yeah sub project i know now, now tell us a little bit about this then 
So this subproject technically uh, was under Bluebird, which was then renamed to Artichoke and then under the umbrella of MK Ultra. But Bluebird was going on during the time of the OSS before they turned into the CIA. So we don't know what they were doing. They can tell us what they were doing, but we don't know. And, you know, it's not that you have to sit there and dissect the language in these FOIA documents. However, they do note in this one memo from 1961 about this ESP subproject involving children that there's already mountains of evidence from other experiments that they've been conducting. So those are things that people need to pay attention to because it's been going on. And the idea of adding children into it isn't... Uh, isn't new. Uh, that's, I just think, probably a mistake that, you know, they kept it on record and it didn't mm -hmm. get tossed away when Richard Helms demanded that Sidney Gottlieb destroy all of the documentation. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I think that the note of G.H. Estabrooks informing Hoover and their many correspondences that if a hypnotic drug or chemical works very well, it'll last 20 years. He's very confident in that. And wow. I just find the timing of that with when these things start coming together, so to speak. Uh, I don't. So, so just just to define when you say in hypnotic chemical, I suppose what they mean is something like when you use a chemical in um, in line with a form of hypnosis. Like a truth. Yeah, like a truth serum. You know, whatever they would deem a truth serum. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't trust these people. So they may say that they're giving one thing. You know, most people think of MK Ultra as just like, you know, Timothy Leary and LSD and the Summer of Love. And no, because all of this stuff is included as well. But basically, the chemicals like an aggregator to enter into someone's psychosis, and then hypnosis is the thing that seals in uh, a job of on that person. Would, so that, so lowering the inhibitions so lowering the inhibitions now hypnosis is a part of it but specifically with the esp it's talking about inflicting serious trauma repeated constant trauma that way they can assist facilitate the creation of multiple personalities or disassociative mm -hmm. states so whether you want to call it multiple personality disorder or dis dissociative identity disorder. Uh, that's why they talk about, you know, especially with the electroshock therapy, violence, isolation, extreme fear, things like that. Um, and trying to hypnotize, so to speak, some of these other personalities, you know, so it's very interesting. So people think of Manchurian Candidate, right? Like uh, pro program to kill, basically, right? Like you pick up the phone and they say the word and that's it. But um, that's, it's just not the case. It's not the case as far as the assassins go. Why were they doing this to children? It's documented on record, severe trauma to split the mind and then hypnotize those other parts of the mind yeah, for, yeah, for yeah. what, 20 years? Why? I, I, I under, uh, listen, I, uh, one day when I tell the tale of my life, I can tell of four or five moments where people have tried to either change my mind by using drugs or, um, on one occasion where someone's tried to hypnotize me 
um, without me realizing it or thinking that I'm not realizing it for ends that I are completely like suspicious. Um, and so, so uh, this is something I think is a technique that people don't realize is that if you go, if you uh, say you go to a counselor or you go to someone you trust, you go to someone who you think you trust, if that person it has gained your trust and is part of an operation, they have got um, a, a, an ability to put you in a position where you slowly will allow them to do more and more and more and let it more and more into your mind until suddenly there's a moment where things change. Now, this sort of thing you're talking about is a lot of it is trauma based, you say. So there's probably done quicker and aimed to do quick uh, to be done quicker. But I think a lot of this was long and drawn out as well, if I'm not wrong. So from some victim testimony that I've heard generally, you know, if, okay, so let's just say it was me for argument's sake, you know, one round of severe trauma is not necessarily going to cause my mind to split, but this sustained repeated over and over again in every single horrific way that one can imagine. Um, and oftentimes these, uh, these kids are, you know, brought to the brink of death. Um, and then they're revived. So, you know, how many, how much trauma can you take, you know, in the child's mind, our brains are so beautiful, right? That they have that mechanism to be able to kind of shield. They are naturally wanting to protect the child. Um, and so they're able to kind of split, so to speak, and they create that little shield. But the next time it happens, another split, another split, another split. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why some individuals, uh, when they get older and start to understand what happened to them, I mean, there are people that have, you know, over a thousand, two thousand personalities and each of them have a name. Mm -hmm. That's that's hard for people to understand, of course, that's hard for people to understand. But the mind is um, quite a tremendous thing, especially when it's put under a, a, a mass amount of trauma and repeated methodical uh, psychological um, uh, I don't know what the word is. Manipulation. I suppose it's just manipulation. The psychological, methodical, strategic, all of it. Mm -hmm. They knew exactly yeah. what they were doing. They did not care. Yeah. And they I, still I don't. You mentioned about the the OSS and what they were doing back then. And I can promise you it would have been some of the darkest stuff you could possibly imagine. They had uh, they had the right um, in war to do terrible, awful things. So when they come out of war, they were, became terrible, awful people who were ruling everybody. Really, some of the worst people who had done the worst things at the worst time possible for the worst reasons. And that's who we were let. That's what the creation of the new world order was from that pool of people the worst people from the worst time ever um so it's not it's not a surprise that it leads on to this um right so okay um where were we where were we where were we we're talking about go on well i'm trying to think where were we oh the well, satanic panic yes over okay. here so so over there when you're talking about an evolved version, like for, from what I've started researching, because I'm back in the past, I'm like 15, 20 years before looking at like this starting of them seeding, because there's more than just the Horace Dibbin articles. There's a lot of other, other things. Um, was, was, do you think it was easier to, uh, 
create these sort of like satanic churches, satanic groups and stuff in America than it was over anywhere else in the world? Do you think that America is 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 weirdly kind of like open for yes. stuff like that? I think so. I mean, Michael Aquino wrote that book that was kind of, you know, his claim to fame, Extreme Prejudice, about him and his wife Lilith, even though charges were not taken off of his army record for child abuse. The army certainly thought that uh, the evidence was uh, sufficient to keep it on his record, even though charges were never filed because people wouldn't cooperate and the statute of limitations expired. But I think if you have a really good PR machine, because I find it curious and I ask people when I talk about this, don't you think it's a little strange that the False Memory Syndrome Foundation pops up out of nowhere? And all of the sudden, every single news station and newspaper is saying the exact same thing, that there's just a ton of therapists that have, at the snap of a finger, gone rogue. Mm -hmm. I think that I think that's a little weird. So I think that just, you know, like you're talking about, I absolutely think it was all an operation, a long running operation. But but isn't it interesting that an operation based around evil um, and doing evil things it cloaks itself in true evil? Wasn't it always going to get there where they couldn't go anywhere else? They're so open about what they want to do. Um. So so oh God. So the, I I mean, th this is a question I've had loads of times recently. That uh, like re recently over the past few years when I study subjects like this i keep coming around to thinking um with with satanism how much of it is actually what we think it is today is actually just stuff that was made up recently by people like uh, aquino and others and um, and people who are really like probably are a part of an operation and how much of it is actually the stuff they would have practiced back in the day if they ever did practice it once a day? Has it ever been one thing, do you think? I think it's a mixture of both. I think that there's the people that, you know, want to be the edge lords, so to speak, <laughs> like what we would call them today. Um, and then I think that there are people who took it very seriously. Uh, you know, you have, I mean, L. Ron Hubbard in Scientology and Jack Parsons, like practicing black sex magic at one point, you know. Um, so, I mean, the things are there. And I think I think it's a mixture of both. And I think that that's why it's really easy to confuse the general public, because they can't necessarily discern by any fault of their own what's real and what's not. And so the stuff that's not necessarily real or powerful and is more of the whole like edgelord thing um it almost makes it a topic that people don't want to talk about because if they do or when it's brought up they might sound silly quite frankly you have to, yeah i was gonna say you have to use like a different lexicon which suddenly becomes yeah. really ridiculous when yeah. you're saying stuff like you know grand i don't know grand even when you do with like a um klu klux klan and stuff like that you're oh like the saying, grand wizard yeah, yeah. you say grand wizard and you're like oh god here we go you know it's automatically it's made to make you feel put off because you have to have a dog in the fight again you have to have a dog in the fight 
I, how much of Satanism, um, of that sort of brand of modern Satanism, was funded? Do you think by intelligence agencies and programs like this? Then, I think, in my personal opinion, and I'm working on laying out the argument. I think that every single, every single major cult, because. Nobody can look me in the face and tell me honestly that any sort of cult that abuses children in this way, and especially those that profit off of that abuse, that they're not practicing the dark arts. I don't care what you want to call it. You want to call it Satanism, Luciferianism, whatever. It's the dark arts. It is the cruelest, most wicked thing that one can do. So mm -hmm. that being said, let's look at Manson, right? And he had his connections to Scientology as well as the Process Church. Well, then you have the process church of the final judgment. You have the family. You have the children. There's a strong argument that they were trafficking children. Scientology, right now, the people that are coming after me, well, the ex-Scientologists, supposedly, but Scientology, as we speak, they have a human trafficking case here in Florida, and it's not their first, okay? So I think that all of these things... You have to have some sort of protection to get away with human trafficking, period, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because these things date back for decades. Mm -hmm. So, yes, they, absolutely. These cults are funded by intelligence. Absolutely. But but still, they 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 uh, gravitate to an ancient source of uh, purest form of evil to be able to get away with it eventually. Um, and it seems to work well for them because, well, you know, if you go to a party and you're offered very little party but a decent life or all party all the time, the people who really want a party will go that way. And that's what, what we're seeing. A lot of this is party boat stuff. It's been said about intelligence, you know, you get on the party boat and you can't get off. And it's the same with these sort of operations. If you're going to tarnish your name with all of the silly words that come with being a Satanist and doing all the silly things and then and then worse what you're really doing is uh lobbying for whatever alternatives are within that um uh, framework than uh, what in the current framework so that would mean do what thou wilt really <laughs> yeah, as above so below yeah yeah, yeah, all, yeah. Of that. All, all, all of that sort of stuff and and they've got lots of i mean it's a very creative thing because you can say the devil spoke to me and so you can get i mean a lot it's in a sense religion's done that to itself because the whole oh god spoke to me and he said this like like it, it, it backfires on you eventually because that can go around in swings and roundabouts um Okay, I'm going to ask you something, and I, I'm happy to answer this too, but yeah, you know, I don't expect too much of an answer. It might be too personal, but um, do you think there is real satanic, like there, there is a Satan? Do you think there is a real, like, evil figure somewhere that's it, not necessarily um, in a human physical looking form, not that, but a kind of undercurrent of evil tapped into by these people do you think that yes that, absolutely 110 yeah. percent, absolutely yeah. it's very powerful like i said you nobody i don't care what the reason is uh you know whether it's the government experimentation whether it's these cults you know i don't care what it is um 
robbing a child's innocence, changing the way that they view the world. And especially if you're doing it from a position of authority within a theological or religious setting, threatening their limited perception of eternity, you know, um, I'm sorry, that's just straight up demonic in my opinion. And I don't care if people think that I sound crazy. Um, it is what it is when you really like sit down and, you know, obviously don't think about it too much, but put it into that perspective. What, what else is the goal? You know, because I try to explain to people my opinion through my research is that, you know, the impetus or the start of it is generally greed and it's greed for wealth. Right. But then that doesn't cut it. And then it becomes greed for power. And then it becomes greed for total domination and power. Mm -hmm. And this is complete domination and power in that person's eyes. How, how many people do you think are likely to uh, hear that calling? Do you think there's, do you think that if, um, this sort of thing become a little like more accepted and more mainstream kind of like uh, sort of gender ideology sort of pushes limits now um do you think that if this sort of thing could become more mainstream and get a gathering a certain following do you think that it would attract a large amount of people do you think that something that's uh, you know inherently evil do you think that people are in i i mean i i'm trying to understand people i'm trying to understand people because i think most most people are good but uh what i've learned from studying um fbi profiling is that that situational pedophile idea that idea that situational pressures put upon someone is the only time they offend that they're not they don't prefer sexual partners made me go situational pressures applying can make people do a, a whole range of things it doesn't mean that they're 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 the right things or the the wrong things uh sometimes like people just like bite their nails loads because they got situational pressures doesn't mean they're going to do the worst thing but is that means that there's a, a massive amount of people who you could say may not be pedophiles under the wrong situation, but that's got to apply to other crimes. People are more likely to steal under the right situational pressure. People are more likely to kill if the situational pressures are sure. correct. You know, all of these things should apply. Um, so I wonder how many people in that sense are situational Satanists. Like if the if it was to become mainstream, um, what would we how many people would would just flick across to it, it as a, a norm because do you think it's just a very small amount of people and if if there's an if because because what we just said if there's um uh, a, like an energy some form of evil energy uh whether it be a person dressed up and cackling with horns or whether it just be um a constant universal energy that that is from something else but manifests like this if that energy exists then how many people are subject to it changing their entire lives do you think and and harming other people's lives irreparably yeah, yeah. um so i think you know people's susceptibility is obviously going to vary as far as what they are susceptible to um do I think that if it was to become 
very mainstream. It's not that I don't have hope. I wouldn't be doing any of this if I didn't have hope. You know, I do. I do think that people are inherently good for the most part. Um, I think that we but are led lied astray, to. but led astray. I mean, and even lied though, to. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, you. Okay, so imagine if evil was to be um, genetically modified in any way, shape, or form, and that that was written in the text. And then you have um, gene therapy stuff, which would alter something and would be against those texts. How many people do you think in the world would be uh, would would go for that if the situational pressure applied yeah. was enough? Yeah. And that's exactly what we've seen. And we've seen the majority, over ninety percent of the world, bend over, or at least they say that to us. Most of that is extremely coerced, um, and some of it isn't even like Africa. They're not going to talk about it at all. No, or, you never. Know, in India, they're, yeah, yeah, they're not going to add those into the stats. Leave those out of the stats. Never. Um, but but a lot of people bend over to situational pressure. You put situational pressure, you can make people do a whole array of things. And I, you know, if it, I, I'm I, I think that expressions of evil. Um, are actually coming out all of the time. And what's the difference between expressions of evil and expressions of Satanism, except one's just like organized around the idea of what that energy or the feet of the evil that runs it, it, as a current in the background, the potential of evil that runs constantly throughout um, active life, things that can interact with with stuff i mean i I'm, I'm really interested by this because of course i think we're entering into something which it looks like end times i'm not I, you know i i i have not been in church or within a church since i was 11 years old i have no like um i i believe in like universe is kind of like a whole thing of energy and you're kind of on a wave and you just have to follow what you independently uh a, a, a feeling is necessary path in life and once you're attuned to that everything else will work out in the universal or supply now that means being good to people being nice to doing good things and etc etc and it's basically um it, there's no difference between that and living a religious life so i go around helping people in my community being nice to people uh trying to help people out all of the time and trying to tell truth all of the time and that's basically what a religious person so i feel like i'm akin to religious people i found now as the kosh comes down from many different angles that a lot of people who are religious are the people who are standing next to people like me and saying you're doing the right thing and it's the first time in my life where i realized that in a sense i am religious so when the are we approaching an end game here? Is Can you see people? To, I know you want to be positive and say that people are going to notice what's going on and start talking about the things that you're, you're talking about. Well, I'm um, not going to shut up because I do feel like we're kind of about to see a repeat of uh, this whole satanic panic narrative, and I don't know why. Um, and I think that this is why it's been such a red flag for me where I'm like, I don't care if you guys think I'm a complete sociopath because I'm coming on YouTube every single day and doing like a mini live stream about this because these things are relevant. So, you know, I, there are people out here and one where you are, my good sir, that are still feeding this narrative of the false memory syndrome, even though the science has been highly debunked 
False Memory Syndrome Foundation is closed. Really looking um, forward to speaking about this because this is really interesting stuff. These people are hailed as heroes and none of the, you know, whether you want to call it sins, crimes, whatever, even though no charges were brought, um, all of these things are ignored. And I personally have been dismissed saying that I'm feeding into a QAnon narrative and that all of this has been debunked and I'm a dangerous spreader of misinformation, even though I think I'm pretty anal about showing people my resources. Mm -hmm. So, you know, why are you guys doing that? And I listened to this really fantastic interview. Uh, let me see if I can pull up her name. I think her name is Dr. Lecter, but she oh, Dr. Hannibal Lecter. No, no, no. She's <laughs> she wonderful. Did Dr. Hannibal Lecter eat his willy? It's Lecter. It's Lecter. <laughs> oh, Lecter. Oh, that's okay. Because I thought <laughs> it would make sense that Hannibal Lecter would eventually get so hungry, eat his own willy, and become a female doctor. That's obvious. I mean, isn't it? Um, that's hilarious. I'm so sorry, Dr. Lecter. It's uh, yeah, Dr. I'm... Ellen Lecter. I I, am, I apologize to Dr. Lecter, and I apologize also to dr hannibal lecter don't, don't come after me and, and eat me. anyway um, go on. so she did this interview and she has a website and it's uh i think it's stop ritual abuse or end ritual abuse.org it's in my youtube but this has been her life's work and the satanic church right now is trying to get her credentials her license taken away and this just keeps happening but they have been successful in mm -hmm. to a point they are not allowed to use the term mind control in presentations at any of these um, seminars. Seriously, the... how, how is that written into law then? Have they got also, also I, I take it, is it within their policy? How, how is, oh my God. It's the within coercion... the policy. Yeah, coercion of language is, of course, like. That's where it starts, right? It's, yeah, but it's, it's like, it's the personification of evil. And we see yes. it all around us all of the time. So anybody who uses language um, in such a, what feels like a demonic way. So again, I end up, when you were talking earlier about using language like demonic, well, I'm not religious and I understand better what demonic means as a term because it means someone is possessed by something which drives them to do evil stuff you know Precisely. and we know what evil is and we know what good is there's only two options there's no Correct. and in indifference is not good so no. indifference does not sit on the side of good it does there's not three options to this there's two options is good or there is bad but yeah so anyway say false memory right okay where, where, where do you start with that how do you start with that? How do you explain to someone what false memory syndrome is? Well, um, as I, I mean, in, in two ways, you might have to do it in two ways. You might have to say what what they say it is and what it, what it actually is, because that's you know, or or the other way around, you know. Well, so I uh, I've come across some gold mines lately and some interviews, which is why I think. Because these interviews have been within like the past two weeks. I'm finding all of these things, the stuff that we're going to talk about. So there's something going on, right? Like I'm not saying like, but my spidey senses are up, right? They're definitely tingling. Um, so I like to start with showing people just what the False Memory Syndrome Foundation was. Because the term False Memory Syndrome was not in the vernacular prior to this at all mm. so we got to look mm. at the root right where did it start oh, i like this i like this take me to the root 
Amen. Take me to so, <laughs> oh, these people drive me nuts. Okay, so False Memory Syndrome Foundation was started by Pamela and Peter Freyd. And Peter was accused by his daughter, Jennifer, who still has not recanted to this day. Okay, this was back in 1992 when the foundation was started. Um, she accused him of abusing her very seriously for a long time when she was young. And well, old Miss Pamela, she just could not let the world know what her dear husband did. So she went and she created literally a pedophile charity organization. And in the I've first... seen this, I've seen this move over in Britain, you know. I've seen this move over yeah. in Britain. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, you know, there's nothing new under the sun, so to speak. Um and in the first publication, the first printed article, because it's not in the archive archive that's very hard to find, but someone found one of the original copies of their first monthly circular. And she notes, uh, Miss Pamela Freyd, how do we know that we're not defending pedophiles? Let me tell you her reasoning. Because we have graying hairlines, we're dressed nicely, we look nice. And we're people that you would want to be friends with. The second reason, a polygraph. That they feel that they shouldn't have to take because they know in their heart that they're innocent. <laughs> oh, that heart. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's yeah. completely insane to me that this was allowed to fly. And so in all of these really old circulars, you start to see, I think it's like maybe, maybe a year in year and a half that's when you start to see all of these psychologists and psychiatrists flocking there were a couple that were there very early on but we start to see some spooks get involved some spooks that were heavily involved with the uh, repatriated uh, prisoners of war from korea and the brainwashing stuff that they were going on uh, that they were involved with at the time so once you see the money and the CIA doctors start to show up, that is when, I mean, from zero to 60. And they note, and it's very interesting because I love reading stuff too. Like I love going really deep and kind of seeing if there's certain areas where something's going on that maybe I should, you know, drive my focus towards. But in every single circular, they keep track of how many, like the family count in every single state. So you get to see the numbers of families just, it goes through the roof. Mm -hmm. It goes through the roof. And uh, Miss Pamela was very notorious for slandering her daughter, um, falsely uh, writing as her daughter, and recanting I've seen over and, yeah, something I've, I, it was seriously, that's serious evil. Um, it's something she got I've a seen degree. over and over again. Yeah, it's a, a degree in bloody uh, evil. <laughs> That's she got that, a degree that's the same as her daughter so that she could go and try to work with her daughter and get her daughter fired. Wow, that is so sick, man. Someone's got to be a sick... Oh, poor girl. I mean, at that point, you've got to realize that someone is trying to destroy themselves and is too much of a coward, so instead just tries to destroy their da own daughter. I mean, yeah. that's that's basically the process, and it's not a surprise that, that someone like that would choose someone evil to be with who would also do terrible things. And, and I, I mean, this is a, a, a reoccurring theme that you get, is that it's not just men uh it's no. men backed up by women and the worst ones the worst things that happen have 
like uh, column A and column B working together, you know, men and women working together to target children in loads of different ways because men can be drawn in for base reasons. Women are drawn in for a different type of power, a different type of control, and often uh, as a way to expel their own trauma through projection onto um, another person. Absolutely. I make sure to drive home the point that, you know, that's why I'm doing different series on, you know, the women of the false memory syndrome foundation, you know, because well-behaved women seldom make history. Um, Mm -hmm. And these women need to be talked about because I would argue that women are just as, if not more dangerous, because they're the ones that you don't expect. Um, They're the ones who can actually go to a school pick up a child and no one would have any clue until it's too late they're the ones who could uh, get into all of those areas and not have a, a slight bit of extra suspicion because the extra suspicion comes from something like what um, eight times more likely to commit a violent crime if you're a man and a lot more likely to for that crime to be um, uh, rape or uh, sexual assault and you know w- women we, we just automatically assume they're the ones there to protect. They're protective. But, yeah, I've, I've known some really, like, evil people in my time, and some of them have been women. I think we've all experienced that, you know. Is is And when that's the case, they can get access to children. I mean, if all those stars align, you get someone like Ghislaine Maxwell out of it, you know. If all those stars align, you get someone who can become really powerful amongst the men who are desperate for what that woman can provide. So can you imagine that, or at least the people at home, I'm sure you can, imagine that it's not about just the power over the child that they're abusing or seeing abused or they're selling off or that um uh, that that's it's the power to the men uh that have a real power that that women woman then brings something to the table that none of them can get anywhere else and that power is is like extreme that's extreme the men then will reward that woman um massively so if you find the right type of personality in a woman you you, you will see the worst of what evil can be and you know Absolutely. there's a lot of people a lot of people who think that you know the the crime is much worse if it's a woman you know i think so like i absolutely yeah. think so because women are i mean whatever some people may not like it but i'm sorry you know women are naturally born uh, to an extent at least with a sort of protective instinct and you know not necessarily mm-hmm. i won't say a maternal instinct but i would say a protective one um and just the fact that you know mrs Freyd, i mean really she created a charity foundation and got the government involved to absolve her husband in the court of public opinion and it's completely insane to me yeah it's very extreme that's extreme isn't it yeah i mean you could you you know she's got a definite dog in the fight when she's doing stuff like that i mean that's amazing um i and it's something i i was i i I was uh, explaining uh to you before we come on we were having a quick talk about these uh false memory folk and um i was saying that i had i had come across them earlier on because before i went off on a tangent when i hit the nicole Youngerman ad um series for the epstein on the epstein case it was the first time i had entered into the epstein case and afterwards my life kind of went crazy and it's been just like constantly barrel rolling ever since um and before that i was kind of trotting along 
happily in Britain, not really focused in on America at all that much, you know. So so a lot of these stories that I'm not sure about, I'm not sure about, like, you know, I, I've heard them all in bite-sized pieces over and over again, but I've not really understood how it all connects up. Though some people have explained bits of it to me, so I understand some of the more complex stuff, but not some of the basic stuff. In Britain, I'm, I ended up following a load of these false memory uh, people around because they were the people who i was investigating before like you know pedophiles were the people i was investigating before i got involved in the epstein case anyway but more, much more base on the ground the people who were trying to change law one of them was um, a qc i think she was qc a barrister named barbara hewson um who was from the hewson family i wrote about the hewson's family long history of contrarianism uh, that goes back um all the way to the 1400s 1471 i think that article goes back to and then you skip through time and discover that um, it's about really getting a, an understanding of where this woman's come from, Barbara Hewson, who said she's dead now. She died in, I think it was 2021. Um, I feel, I I've, I kind of feel sorry for her. You know, she was the one who, when I first started watching her, it was because she was on Channel 4 News and she said that uh, people like Rolf Harris and Jimmy Savile should be uh, seen as innocent and it's not that bad what they did and that, that the age of consent should be reduced. And then she made a load of other arguments in um, argument uh, in um, uh, organizations like Spiked News and stuff, um, which are a bit like, you know, edgy news sort of channels in the UK um, and wrote a few articles about the same subject. And it was clear that she obviously had some sort of connection. You don't just say these things. Now, she's been civil rights in many ways, but, I mean, civil rights for pedophiles means no civil rights for children that's it Correct. you know Correct. You, you, yeah so so there's no there's no such thing you cannot have it no nope. it's a it's an adult it means they're a criminal what do we do with people who have committed crimes we take away parts of their civil rights and they don't get them back because you cannot be trusted so thank you yeah so it's really that's really that's a really simple thing um the false memory guys really uh, found that was the only place for them to go afterwards. Uh, we cannot we cannot argue with the evidence in court as it is. We have to change the process to bring in experts who say that your mind must like be thinking false things and you're only saying false things and you believe them. So you're going into court and you have to you have to objectively disprove a girl who's extremely um, convincing because she's been through this trauma um, or a statement of someone who's extremely convincing because they've been through the trauma. So that could include tears that could include real uh, noted emotions. The only way to get over that isn't to say, oh, the person didn't do it because it doesn't look very good to do that. They had to do it a different way, which is, oh, the girl thinks it happened, but it didn't happen. And that's really the basis that I, I like when, when I started realizing what they were doing, they were, they were, it, that we weren't just using that argument they were trying to make it part of like um a sort of like area of psychology criminal yeah they psychology. were and they failed they failed yeah, completely yeah, but, 
but they put it was the same um thing that that i saw or that people saw in the 70s with the pedophile information exchange where pedophiles in the uk believed they were about to get um civil rights some form of right to have sex with children um and so started lobbying governments and created this uh, information uh, exchange and we're lobbying different um uh, interest groups uh, with people such as harriet harman uh, representing them who wrote about how how she'd help them out and stuff um and that that harriet harm is now like it was deputy leader of the labor party at one point so that's the type of ilk of people um there, there was so much eventually parents went mad because like i say when you investigate when you go to the police and you go to the schools and stuff they ignore you because they they just don't want they you know they they know they know they know there's going to be some Let's just cover up and hide it. That's the natural way people go. Even the nicest uh, headmistresses and headmasters, once faced with the situational pressure, because they become pedophile enablers. So where I you like have... to call them pedophile sympathizers. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm saying it through terms of a terminology that the FBI would use. They would use preferential pedophiles for people who are naturally attacked, attracted to children, situational pedophiles for people who are attracted to children once situational pressure applies usually for power and etc. Um, to uh, feel power in themselves. Um, I, I, you know, that's, I, I, I man, this is a really that situational tag goes across genres you know no i mean it it really does because you know so they started in 1992 and i found a really old clip of the first uh meeting that the false memory syndrome foundation had in 1994 and pamela freight is standing up there and she introduces herself and she just gets a standing ovation and she's overwhelmed and she tells people she's very taken aback. And I, I make I tell people when I show it, I say, you are watching a room full of criminals who see their savior. That's mm-hmm. it, because that she announced Johns Hopkins University, which many people have heard of by now. They were the first university that was willing to recognize false memory syndrome. Mm. And I think that that's very interesting because Johns Hopkins has been involved in a lot of shady oh. activity. Oh, really? You, you're telling me. I mean, you're, you're, you're telling that to someone who definitely knows that. I'd be doing yeah. relative investigations where I keep going back to different little programs that go on at John Hopkins that say, that scream, intelligence, grab the youth, and all of this sort of stuff. Is really Yeah, that's what I'm stuff. saying. That's when she said yeah. that. I was like, oh, this makes perfect sense that mm-hmm. she got the backing of Johns Hopkins. You know, and then you just start to see uh, you know, these other psychologists, psychiatrists, uh, I found a random little blurb that Alan Dershowitz wrote in one of the circulars. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's cute. So we have a tie to Gislaine and Epstein right there. Isn't that mm-hmm. fantastic? I, I, it's really hard one. Dershowitz is such a hard one because I think he's a, a, a dirty old man myself. Um, a, 
but it's been used i think there's people who have and and i've written about this i think there's people who have purposely gone in with false accusations against him so that he can eventually turn around and say look at those false accusations i'm innocent so i think there's so much fallacy creation amongst all of these people the way they get out of their dirty business i think they're guilty as sin and the way they get out of doing their dirty stuff is by getting other people to accuse them of stuff that isn't true or or to you have to get people to believe that the someone who's saying something isn't telling the truth and there's multiple ways of doing it so either you do it by a fallacy that way or you do it by implanting the idea that these children aren't having real memories that they're, yeah, they're exactly. having some form of fake recollection of events and you could create that as well because you could if you look if you were to look at loads of traumatized children over and over again eventually you're going to find someone who fits that mold sure. and you can study them and that's that happened in britain i think on a couple of occasions with the false memory stuff the reason it was allowed into court in the first place was because um there was a couple of girls who had basically they they had cherry picked certain girls who had had certain experiences so it fitted with what they were their narrative but then yeah. if you make the whole thing about that then all of the rest of it suddenly becomes about that narrative so you yeah. you saw the same thing happen in america and i take it that oh yeah absolutely um so the current proselytizer of the false memory syndrome is elizabeth loftus who was the professional witness for gislaine maxwell she was also the professional ah. witness for ted bundy for oj simpson oh. for harvey weinstein oh. yeah guess who oh. else oliver north i think that's oh a wow weird. oh really yeah. oh yeah that's really strange throwing that that throwing isn't that there. curious <laughs> yeah there's a there's a lot of curious in these that's especially for the the articles i've been looking at recently i was really tempted to go off and look at all of oliver north's testimony that he gave um when he was giving testimony about um involvement in one of the many things he was involved in uh listen what what is going on then with the false memory stuff now are they are they being like i take it none of that gets into court anymore it can't be used as a defense or do they still use it as a defense they still use it as a, don't tell me they still use it as a defense well so here's here's the argument that i'm trying to make because i mean whatever gislaine wasn't that long ago mm -hmm. and elizabeth loftus silenced those victims she's such a girl boss right she's out here just raising hell um i despise that woman and i don't feel bad for saying that but however so if you look at all of these board members and some of them are in publications talking about the advocation of pedophilia how there needs to be no laws this all needs to be legal pedophiles shouldn't feel bad you know this and that um, people don't think this exists but i can promise them i've done so many times i've been sitting there astounded by like a sentence that someone says and you show people and they can't even look at it they can't even look they they, they can't because they know it's one of those moments it's the they live moment where they have to fight in the alleyway the to stop yep. yes to, to stop from putting the glasses on that moment is really emblematic when it comes to a set some of these sentences these guys say you could say it to someone and they're rushing mind will not leave it in their mind it will just like go in and they'll look blank at you and it'll just leave straight away mm -hmm. it's like they just can't handle it they can't handle it so you I, experience that too 
<laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. That's why when I do my streams, I, I pull it up and make it big enough. So I know that people can read it. And I sit there and I read it and I give pause. And then I say, do you hear the words coming out of my mouth? Do you see this on the screen? Because I realize that I sound completely insane. But this has been going on. None of these people were ever punished, ever. Um, and, you know, they, these people find themselves in all of these very weird specific cases, whether it's child sexual abuse, child trafficking, human trafficking, um, mass casualty events, because false memory syndrome has not only been used in regards to sexual crimes, it's also been used at times where maybe someone saw something that they shouldn't have seen, like the Columbine school shooting uh, mm. back in the 90s. Oh, man. Oh, don't look into the evidence to that, people. Hey, everybody at home, <laughs> don't look at the evidence into Columbine. It'll it'll shatter your worldview if you're not into any of this, I tell you. If you're, if you're not into conspiracy, that, that and the Boston bombing, you better stay away from that. Don't look yeah. at any of the evidence there. <laughs> Or basically, you just poo yourself straight, just directly there, just poo just comes out and you shoot off your chair up into space. That's it. Awesome anyway. bombing's pretty dark. <laughs> that one's yeah. real dark. So is Columbine. Yeah. But you I, know, I, it's... No, I, it's, I, I gotta, I get, I, I, I gotta say some form of credit there to all of the people. No, really, do go look at all of the evidence. Um, Columbine. There's one guy who did. I can't remember his name. He did a fantastic look through all of the witness statements and the evidence from Columbine in a fantastic video. It is one of the most. Uh, I, it changed. It, I, I mean, I'm already on the 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 wagon. Like I'm 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 I know that there's a whole system out there that that does all of these things and all of these things exist but even knowing all of this knowing that people cover up things mass shootings can be faked all of these things can be faked all of the nasty stuff can be operations that th this has happened over and over again throughout recorded uh history throughout recorded history it's like you know these events happen um still the columbine evidence blows my mind away it's just amazing it's rough. And, yeah people yeah. should people should go list sorry sorry interrupted you there no you know you you're that. okay no um, i just i i want to you know i i try to be honest with people you know it, it has been used in those events as well so it's not just mm -hmm. applicable in the area of you know sexual abuse or sex trafficking um but as the board members grew old and passed away i think that it's quite interesting that they were never replaced mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the board just closed down uh three and a half years ago it oh, just really? dissolved yeah so i think that that's kind of weird and then we still have elizabeth loftus running around preaching the great truths of the false memory syndrome mm -hmm. you know running the circuit and i have just stumbled across uh quite a few current day proselytizers of this mm. so i think Ooh. that the board members and this is just my conspiracy allegedly whatever legal term i need to say that the board members were not replaced so that these people could operate maybe under different guises or separately okay, on their okay. own well you should be making notes which i already know you are but uh you should be making notes and we should be swapping notes and we should be looking into some of these people i like to get um 
involved so in other things so if you if you want any help in seeing where any of these people have been are and will be in the future then we can always uh do a little bit of that that's something i like to do i like to see um I like seeing what you're doing in the this false memory stuff. I think it's going to resurface again at some point. I think it's going to have less effect each time it resurfaces until again it has it's like, you know, the cycle happens again where people have forgotten about it. The false the memory has been <laughs> has been lost and then a new a new wave of false memory sort of like uh, rhetoric comes up maybe with different slightly different wordings, but we will see it together again because really uh, it's what it's I again I could use the word emblematic of uh, fourth generational warfare or fifth generational warfare. Sorry, um, absolutely. So it's it's like the the lie. It's the ultimate of of the lies, isn't it? You you don't know what's real or not. So well, and I mean, half of the science thinking. that they use was made by Elizabeth Loftus herself, and that's what she cites in court. And there are all these junk studies where she thinks that like quote-unquote planting the the false memory of getting lost in a mall is equivalent to the psychological trauma of what a child goes through with ritual abuse or satanic wow. ritual abuse yeah this is these are things that are allowed and admissible in court her as a professional witness and it's completely unacceptable and the fact that there are still people within this profession and i'm gonna say it because whatever Within the ex-Scientology community specifically, because I've asked these people and they won't, rep they reply a little bit. One of them has slandered my name um, mm -hmm. and is also called ritual abuse liars and say that ritual abuse and satanic ritual abuse doesn't exist. And they're a mental health professional. Um, these people just, you know, hail these individuals as heroes. And unfortunately for them, I don't have a life. So I know the names of all the False Memory mm -hmm. Syndrome Foundation board members. And so when I'm mm -hmm. listening to these podcasts and I'm like, is that the same? Is that the same? And then I go and look and, oh, well, would you look at that? Isn't that mm -hmm. interesting? And quite frankly, I find it unacceptable. The evidence is out there. People love to say that you got to have evidence, right? You got to bring receipts. I bring the evidence, but they, these things have to be addressed because just like you said, everything comes in cycles and those cycles tend to shorten themselves over time. And this is trash science. It allowed criminals to walk free. It waged psychological warfare on at least two generations of children. Mm -hmm. And it has to be just, it, we all have to come to terms with it and move forward. Can't change yeah. the past, but we can't let it repeat. Yeah, but um, even though we can't let it repeat, we can see it repeating and we can't stop it for some reason and we keep trying to uh, put out... What you were saying about the false memory, memory syndrome, um, <clears throat> well, it's like... It looks like it's broken away and gone undercover a little bit and it's changed its... Um, it's looking for its new place. And when I was talking about pedophile information exchange earlier, the same sort of thing has happened the same people who were representing that still did the same things and lobbied the same organizations, but they did so independently, all individually scattered around. And a couple of other little groups came up, but nothing was as powerful as that again. So the cycle can be beaten for a certain amount of time. But I see a cycle repeating now in the fact that there's like this, obviously a change of what the idea of gender is. 
Um, and so that causes uh, kids, again, to be at risk from the exact same people who are these people. So this is what my argument is about gender ideology. Is it the same people who try and excuse pedophiles um, for false memory syndrome and everything will soon have to be start uh, uh, saying, oh, it's okay that they dress in dresses um, and going into to female changing rooms. That's quite normal. And they'll, they'll, they'll just be looking to ha let those people access these areas in a different way because at the end of the day it is subversive and there's uh oh there's multiple things i see playing out at the, at, at the moment that i find um pedophiles can jump on the back of lots of different narratives and we see these cycles repeat the guy who was i think the head of the pedophile information exchange was a guy called tom o'carroll tom o'carroll and anybody should go and listen to him speak if you want to understand what uh an evil person who doesn't understand their evil looks like because this is one of the things that we've got one of the problems we got a lot of these people who are doing this stuff are truly truly the most evil and don't realize they're evil um and then there's these other people who realize it and build um what really is a church like yeah the, pretty much you know whenever you have a, a society of people some turn their practice into nothing more than the way they live their life individually and some turn it into an ideology that's wider and that includes uh infrastructures churches and other things and is already a church available for um torturing and abusing young kids um so I think that's what we're seeing. Absolutely. I would agree because this ex-cult community, ex -cult community, specifically the ex-Scientology community, I think it's real weird that we don't really hear anything about children. Yet some of these people uh, state on their pages that they're rescuing kids. I would argue that that's wow. kind of a QAnon sort of vibe, <laughs> quite yeah. frankly. Like, where's the proof? Where's the receipts? I would like to hear from victims. You know, obviously underage, there's some legal concerns there, right? But like, we need to mm -hmm. see some fruit of that commentary that you're so boldly claiming after you refuse to acknowledge the things that I've brought up in refutation to your argument. Um, so I think that it's something that deserves a closer eye because people that are leaving a cult, whether adult or children, uh, they're already vulnerable, right? But then the, ch the child is doubly or triply vulnerable. Um, and I think it's interesting. And I showed people in one of my streams that, you know, the False Memory Syndrome Foundation in Britain, uh, when they reached out here to the Freyds, the Freyds recommended them to John Money. He was a massive pedophile. And he was a proselytizer of Alfred Kinsey, who mm, said that God. babies benefit from, I'm not even going to say it, I but know. you know who I'm I talking know. about. And yeah, that's yeah. why I keep trying to trace these lines, Johnny, because I want people to understand. We don't have to have a photo of all of these people in the same room to make the argument that they're associated, right? We need to critically think a little bit and we need to just kind of like a charlie from it's always sunny with like the red yeah. string smoking the yeah. cigarette right but when you lay it out that way and i've had people reach out to me i had one guy reach out to me who's been out of a cult for a very long time and is very vocal about it 
but there was just something that he felt like he was missing something that didn't click and he said once he started looking at the my false memory stuff he goes it all makes sense now mm-hmm. because it's such a it's such a perfect method to use yeah, in yeah, cults yeah. and also in the ex-cult community um and i care about all victims you know so it's it's it, it's, this, it's- it's preparation to deny, isn't it? It's preparation to be able to say that their story is a lie. And that means that, that that's the most evil type of, you know, you're not, they, they, that shows that people aren't just impulsively committing a crime. They're carefully thinking out the strategy that will get them off the crime. So they know they're criminal. Um, and that, that means they, 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 they are in a different level than someone who's just, Again, situational. That this these guys, I would say, are all preferential pedophiles who are looking for a way to enter in uh, to law that what they're doing is legal in some way. Why do you think people? Um, do you think there's any? Why uh, cults? I'm just trying to get, but like, uh, imagine why. I, I can imagine yours down and you meet someone who thinks they can it tells you that they can do lots of things but it still always baffles me why people would follow someone towards cult uh being in a cult and enter into cultish behavior but But here's the thing scientology is still a church you know Mm -hmm. how much money scientology has they own an entire city here literally Mm -hmm. they own it it's insane but and they're global right and so was the process church of the final judgment like one of these individuals likes to dismiss it like it was just this random splinter group and it's like no no they were global too we don't really know where they were getting all of their money which definitely makes me think that they were an op however it's not a splinter group i refuse to separate them from scientology because they were practicing a lot of the same stuff that l ron hubbard was teaching and you know, so they have the backing, but then I'm I'm stumbling across or walking into this community of these ex-cult, but it's a church. It's presented as a church, right? And so it appears to me personally, allegedly, whatever, that there are certain parties that are operating within the ex-community that either are covering. Mm-hmm and being funded or they've just started their own thing because i think it's very strange that the predecessor to l ron hubbard because like you i love looking in the newspaper archives like it's so fun because you never know what you're gonna find like little chestnuts and um after l ron hubbard went missing because people thought that he was dead and they were going to the police and it went to court um his predecessor was a polygamous mormon Mm. a very prominent polygamous mormon and he is like you can't find him you don't really hear anything about him (laughs) so elrond you know dies right disappears whatever whatever they say happened same thing happens to that guy and then and then our man that's on the stage now is the president now so i see a really weird trend Right. Um, Where we have this enmeshing, you know, I've done a lot of research about the LDS and the Mormon church uh, before I started with this stuff and their involvement with weird satanic abuse. Um, But now we have Scientology and then we also have, you know, the Mormon church being tied into this, too. And there's a lot of really weird timing with the stuff with the process church 
going to Utah around the same time as there were some very serious claims of satanic ritual abuse going on, which would directly tie Scientology, in my opinion, allegedly to satanic ritual abuse. Because again, I refuse to separate the process church of the final judgment from L. Ron Hubbard. Mm -hmm. I tell you what, I reckon what's happening here is all of these different cults and organizations set up for these different ways to try and tackle uh, this issue on behalf of pedophiles, usually created by pedophiles, um, yeah. of how to get access to children. Um, all these organizations are discovering that the infrastructure for lobbying and, uh, and, and going forward is changing. It's changing around us all. So as a, things like pedophilia uh, are being um, more accepted by these people who are creating laws or who are writing the psychi psychiatry books or psychology books. Um, as long as that trend continues, they end up being a part of this, what, what, what's been hijacked is LGB sort of like uh, um, rights, train has been hijacked by a load of other letters well that goes off into being a different infrastructure that allows these false memory people to act different under different laws and use different uh associate with different things so that they can so the infrastructure is changing they don't need necessarily false memory uh, and things like that anymore they need to change their tactics again because the infrastructure they're going to be fighting in has formulated into being something that's much more complicated and higher up than it has ever been before in history so what we're seeing is a complete change of the infrastructure that might explain i i personally think that might be explain why what we see actually over and over again the cycle the the the, the end point and the start of a new cycle is really is is uh dependent on the technology of the time and the way people sure. interact at the time and so in a sense we could say that the internet and this uh lots of debate online has actually led and the technology has led to the lgbtq plus 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 oh my god what's that no stay away from my children um at the end of it uh th that sort of thing has only arisen because of that ability to communicate and because of technology itself so like Absolutely. the infrastructure has changed around everybody right well i've kept you for a long time and we've talked about a lot of stuff and a lot of st that stuff is extremely interesting um and i thank you so much thank you for having uh, me so much no dana is it's my pleasure i think we should do things in the future if you're up for it hell um, yeah let me know <laughs> yeah there's there's a few well there's a few things i got i got a few ideas and a few plans around the place but i think there's a couple of things uh especially when it comes down to the way you investigate i wouldn't uh mind and i've never had like like uh, only recently when i did the pottinger series did i do um a joint news hound with somebody and i'd love to do a joint news hound so take a sub you know really well and i'll go back throughout history and see what i can discover from different archives about different people and then we can like you can tell the story of something and maybe i can present some of the information i found about all of these subjects along the way and we can do a bit of a joint investigation for people i'm sure i'm sure people would enjoy that because it's a very similar similar thing um i i love i love that sort i i love the fact that you breaking things down for people i think it's really important so can you tell people where to find you 
And I would love that. So let me know whenever you'd like. Okay. Um, and you guys can find me rotting jewels on Instagram, YouTube, Rumble, and then on Twitter, it's Dana Duda with an H at the end. Yeah, Dana Duda with an H on the end. I like Dana Duda. I think that's a it's a good name as well. Right, Dana, thank you very much. Thank Real you. Pleasure. <laughs>